Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 68. If you'd like to check out my past shows and notes, you can go to callthatgirl.biz slash office365, and there you'll see the current show notes and links to past shows as well. Now, what is this show about? Well, this show is about my Outlook jobs I do, Office 365, jobs I've done in the past, some updating of trends and things that are going on, and sometimes it's just me, and sometimes it's a guest. For the show this week, I do have a guest. His name is Hans Brender from BitTitan, and he's a Microsoft maniac, I'm going to call him. (laughs) Now that I connected with Hans on social media, man, he is just so full of knowledge, and you guys are going to learn a ton from him. We did a little Skype-like talk, and uh, I'm just fascinated with what this guy knows and what he deals with on a daily basis. So um, we're going to mostly focus on a couple things with him today. Uh, One is going to be OneDrive, Yammer, and I think managing expectations with uh, some clients. Let me just double check my notes on that. Um, Let's see. Oh, how to do sales and support. Sorry. Then he works with global level as well, but he also has some things we're going to talk about, especially with the OneDrive. And nobody almost uses the Yammer that I know of. So we're going to learn a little bit about that today as well. Okay, and then before we get going, we're going to take a minute to thank our friends at AppRiver. For, um, they do exceptional email web security. They have been my Office 365 vendor for, boy, going on three and a half years now. They're open 24 hours a day. They're based out of Florida, and they're excellent at sales and support. My company's been using them because I have a break-fix business, and I really enjoy having them as my backup. And moving ahead in 2017, I'm going to open up the MSP which I'm going to become a reseller and I'm going to get to experience a whole different world. (laughs) So watch for upcoming shows. I'm going to be talking about my transition, how I'm going to migrate from BreakFix to MSP and what I'm going to offer, how I'm going to do sales and support and all that. And I'm ready to take that all to the next level, which there's going to be a lot of learning. I assume I know you just can't flip the switch overnight, right? Okay, now my last show, I went to the MSP world and did a review on that, and I got great feedback. I was a little nervous, to be honest with you, about how that was going to be taken, but um, a lot of the vendors I connected with on LinkedIn said, great job, and some have asked to be on the show. So we'll see how that moves moving forward. Now, a couple of the things, I'm going to talk about some jobs this last week I did, but I, I want to just fill you all in on, I've been working really, really hard on a couple projects. One is the Outlook training for technicians. Now, I know you've heard me talk about it a little bit, but I am close to sending out and scheduling them and doing it. And I've uh, started with three basic courses. Let's see, one is Outlook Basics, Outlook Advanced, and then third-party apps, like little bonus. Pricing is not set yet for sure, but I do believe we're going to work with a webinar feel. And then uh, for those that... uh, uh, schedule themselves for the webinar and can't take it. There's going to be a recording. I have not yet decided if I'm going to have a recording option available to just purchase that because I really like the live part of it where you can talk and communicate and the technicians can all be in like a classroom together of sorts. 
but we'll see. I haven't even done this before. I've never trained a technical group. Um, I did show my sales page to a guy on Facebook that's going to be in one of the courses. And he was like, this is awesome. You know, I like it. And I was like, thanks. And, uh, I, I started realizing that the value is there. And he said, sounds like you're just training us on everything, you know, and I said, yeah, pretty much because <laughs> there isn't training like that out there for technicians. And I just see a lot of it all the time when a client calls me and says, yeah, my tech did this, this and that, and now it's not working. And I just would rather have technicians know how to do better backups and do more pre-spot checking and how to troubleshoot things better. So we'll see. But I also then got, of course, too high on my horse. And I started adding on courses. And then next thing you know, I had eight courses. And I was like, okay, slow down, Sally. <laughs> just start with your three and see how that goes. Because honestly, there's a lot of technical courses that techs could teach to techs that Literally could just go on forever, I think. But, uh, all right. Well, let's talk about a couple things last week for, before Hans joins us here. So I had a client that, um, remember I told you guys I upped my rates a couple shows ago. And it's actually, it hasn't been that hard to stick to saying no to people like I thought. You know, um, I raised it from 139 per hour to 250 for two hours. So actually... I lowered my hourly rate, but I had a minimum of two hours, so I got more cash in up front. And the reason being for that was, is that most jobs go over an hour. It was more challenging for me to, um, to say, okay, now we need another hour, even for just 15 minutes. And that was getting just difficult. People were rushing me. And now in the past, I've done it now for 23 days. My sales have been better than last month. I felt less stress and the only challenges I've had are like two clients that said I was too expensive. And I'm like, really it's cheaper, but yeah, you have to invest more in the beginning. So one fella who's a past client, um, I try to remember as many clients as I can. He, he mailed and said, uh, that his outlook is not opening. And I know he's fixed this before because I told him what my fees were. And he said, well, it's basically, once it launches, it's just going to ask for the inbox repair tool and, and you're going to run that and that's going to fix it. I'm like, okay, well then there's obviously a problem with the PST file if it keeps doing that. And I need to repair that outside of that to make it so it doesn't do this again. But he said it was too expensive and I was like, that's fine. You know, well, anyway, um, a week later he emailed me and said, I got that fixed. Outlook is working, but now I have a problem with activating outlook. And I said, okay, well, what happened? And he goes, I don't know. I did the inbox repair tool and now it says it needs to be reactivated and I can't reactivate it. Okay. So this is interesting now. So I was like, why would he not hire me for that first job? But now I won't activate and this to me. I was like, oh, 15 minute job done and done, you know? So I was like, well, that's what I was thinking. But actually here's what happened is I remoted in. And it could not activate. He had purchased the uh, Outlook 2013 standalone with like a product key. And he doesn't have any memory of buying it. But then I actually got it out of him. He said, yep, I did buy it when I was in Florida. But I don't have it. We looked through all of his emails. And about a half hour into it, like us just trying to figure out stuff, I finally was like, man, 
I'm going to eat this job. I think something's going to be bad because I did everything I know of to find it, you know, but finally I was like, you know what? Let's be smart about this. The product key is somewhere, you know, cause it was activated and it got re reactivated because he probably had to do a repair. 2013, if you do a full repair, it sometimes reinstalls it. And generally it always reinstalls now. Back a few, you know, like a couple of years ago or a year ago, it used to just repair itself and you rebooted, but now it does a full reinstall and you lose your keys and activation. So anyway, I said, you know what? We're going to do this client. We're going to get on the horn with Microsoft's chat and we're going to make them fix this because this is not your fault that you tried to repair their product and it uninstalled it. And he was like, finally, so whatever. So we got into the Microsoft chat. I told the technician what happened. I said, so the client had an outlook problem. He went to repair it. It uninstalled it. It had to be reactivated. He does not have the product key. And they were like, okay, we can help. And they asked a few questions. They were motored in. The first thing he did was run an, I think it was called an MSDT tool, which is basically a shortcut to get through the back door of some Windows stuff which I tried doing it, but it needs like a passcode. So I was like, oh, interesting. They have their own back door, which I was not familiar with, and maybe you are, but I wasn't. I think if you go to the run line on your Windows and just type the MSDT or MDST. Anyway, so then once he did that, he could see a bunch of stuff, right? And then he ran um, some of his tools, which this is why I like having Microsoft do it, because this is their product. This is stuff that I don't like billing clients for, but in this case, I actually sat and watched because I wanted to see what he did. Then he went to the internet and I believe it was called the Belark advisor. He ran the Belark advisor. Some, uh, I didn't even see what tool he exactly downloaded, but it found all the keys, product keys, all the stuff on the computer. And he found, he proved it that office 2013 was installed and activated and had a product key. He copied it out. He went on his side and did a bunch of work. And basically what he did was he turned that product key into an online um, activation for the client. So the client actually could log in with his Microsoft uh, account and see the paid for online and all the information there. So that was really cool. So then the tech reinstalled it, um, got them all set up. So now the client stuff is online. And then I think it's something else broke and the Microsoft tech fixed that. That was about an hour. Now I stayed on the call with the client for the whole time because I really wanted to learn about their process, but I only build them for a half hour of my time because I don't do that to folks. I'm not going to build them for an hour and a half for me to watch when it was a really good learning experience and I could share with you all what happened. But I think the point is here is that I've learned there's a difference between me fixing software and Microsoft having to fix their own software. And I just kind of have said this before, I'm giving up on fixing their software that constantly is breaking that I can't fix and I'm too expensive. So one of the things is what I'm gonna talk about here is managing the expectations with the client. Now, if you're doing a remote job and you have to, I'll let you know if you have to do a, um, there's the quick repair for the office and then there's the full version. I have only been seeing lately the full version do a full reinstall and it requires reboot. Okay. That to me is scary. 
So before I even run that now, I make sure all the data is backed up that I need. I know where all the files are because it potentially could blow things up. And the worst part is if you're going from 16 to 13, those profiles in 2016 go away. And you really can't back up a profile without going, you know, there's no profile backer upper that I'm familiar with anyway. So before I even do anything like that, I make sure I have all the data from the profile. And normally, you know, it's uh, PSTs are always there. The OSTs have to get recreated. And if you're ever nervous about it, just go take a backup of those. Because if you need to, you can at least repair the OST files and the data is there. But so anyway, back to the moral of this story is I get paid to fix what's wrong with people and Outlook and their data. Microsoft now is in charge of their software. And back to what I was saying is managing the expectations with the client is, I've gone to the theory of, oh, your outlook is broken beyond how I can fix it quickly. So we're going to go off the clock with me. I'm going to put you in a chat window with Microsoft and we're going to let them fix it. Then I can come back on the clock and finish my work. And I have no problem with that because I'm still billing a decent amount of time. And I know some techs will argue, well, you should bill for every single minute. But at my level of work, I don't think it's fair. And, uh, and honestly, sometimes these calls with Microsoft can take two hours. So I just make sure I tell the clients, look, I'm going to do this. I have other clients I'm going to tend to. I'll come back. And, you know, you sometimes you have to tell people this was not supposed to happen this way, but this is life. And maybe even we have to reschedule for the next day to finish my work. And, you know, I love 2013 and 16, but it's just not, 16 is not stable 13 is fairly stable, but that still breaks. And that's why I have a job apparently. But uh, even without it breaking, I'd still have big messes <laughs> for people to I have to fix. Okay, that was a really long little story that was not really intended to be that long. But um, it's all the good learning stuff. And this is the kind of stuff I'm going to teach in these Outlook training courses for technicians. Okay, now there's been a few other jobs this week that I'm getting that um, I try telling people when they call in, they have, uh, they want, especially in small businesses, like under 10 people, they want the shared contacts and mailboxes, right? So most of them, going from the old days, they used a public calendar, public contacts. And it was really funny. I had two clients the same week with this issue. And the first client was like, yeah, we're in the Microsoft admin control panel. I set up the shared contacts. We just can't get them to view in our Outlook or on the Mac or online. And I said, well, because that's more meant for global, I think. I mean, honestly, I've had more success with people starting up just a fresh new mailbox that they pay for that so everybody can have access to it. And then you can create subfolders. You can create distribution lists out of it, and it's shared between the people who have it. And the first client, um, they're awesome. They were like, no, we don't want to go down that route. We got VAs. It's kind of confusing. And I was like, well, I'm going to tell you that's probably the right answer, but let's try other things. So I don't think it was to save money, but one of the we decided to make the um, owner's mailbox the shared contacts, which should work, right? The PC people could see the shared contacts nice and all the other stuff, but guess who could not? The Macintosh folks. The Macintosh folks get screwed a lot with a lot of the enhanced features of Office 365 and Exchange. 
because 2016 just it doesn't always work right. It doesn't work right with uh, global address listings and and contact sharing and all that little stuff that people really want. So we did about an hour and a half of troubleshooting, lots of different things, till finally I told the client, "Look, I just did a ton of research. There is no good answer." <laughs> And I did a lot of research on this, and I've actually done this in the past, but I knew the answer. And I said, so I'm going to recommend that you create a new mailbox, and then you can move all of your contacts to that mailbox. You can start making your subfolders and your distribution list. And via email, about a half hour worth of emailing time, she was like, you're right. It's fixed. We can see it on the Mac. We can see it online. This was the answer. So now after you work with the client for an hour and a half to have a half hour of emailing, you kind of realize this is how I need to sell the next job, except I don't want to spend an hour and a half troubleshooting. It's not that I don't love billing for the time, but honestly, to me, it's like a waste. Like I already know how to get to the answer faster. I have a two hour minimum. So what I'd rather do is get the client set up within the first half hour with the right way, save their next hour and a half for other problematic stuff. Cause I really hate to say it, but I enjoy troubleshooting. You know, I enjoy troubleshooting problems. I don't enjoy troubleshooting things I know that aren't going to work already, even though I tried. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's no win for this. So anyway, that client um, was very happy with their solution. And then I think moving forward with the shared mailbox, they can actually do a lot more as their team grows because they do intend on adding more team people. So just to recap again, um, you know, I know the public calendar is offering and the public contacts, but if people need to share contacts on PC, Mac, iPhone, iPad, tablets, all that stuff. It's just better to have one new mailbox dedicated to that. And people like on the iPhones and iPads can swipe off the mail and the features they don't need. And then everybody can have access to the full contacts and everything. The only downside is security, of course, that um, everybody has access to that one account. Somebody could go crazy and go delete it all and say, screw you, bye. But that's when I can train people how to manually back up those lists once a week. So, but either way, that's been the solution and people are liking it because they want that uh, control. Then I helped another client with almost the same situation, except they actually had about 5,000 people in their public contacts and they had a lot of people on BlackBerry. So I was like, whoa, taking me back, <laughs> taking me way back because I'm not real familiar with BlackBerry anymore. It's been a while. And uh, so anyway, we had a similar situation. I helped them for an hour and then, um, so helped them for an hour. And then after that hour, they, uh, they came back to me after they did some finagling with it. And then they said, okay, we're ready to do the next level. And the next level was, was getting a set up and starting to do the work. That, that was a two hour job again. But see, the problem I had with that one was the public contacts would not copy out. I could not export them through Outlook anyway. I didn't go through the admin control panel. That might have been easier. And I kept getting, a, I think there was a corrupted contact in there that kept snagging me up. But eventually I piecemealed it and did it one by one. And I found they had like 30 duplicates anyway. And let me tell you, the clients with the contacts... 
with that many and they're contact maniacs, they really like having things exact. And I'm going to tell you, it was kind of challenging, but we finally closed that project up. Okay. And then I had another client, um, call in with, I think that people are still getting that update button in their outlook. They're on 2013. It says update. They click on it. And this is what I believe happened to her. She clicked on it. It upgraded her to 2016. And then everything was started breaking. So here's the, the, the thing about 2016 is that it's supposed to be awesome and play well. And it sometimes does not on a regular desktop computer. It might work better in a managed uh, environment. Like if you work at a big company and you get it pushed out to you because everything is pretty standardized in a managed environment. But on a client's desktop computer, it's not so much because I remote into clients that have Windows 7, Vista still sometimes, Windows 8. It's an uncontrolled environment with uncontrolled everything, updates. I mean, there's just nothing matching. So I don't know if she got an automatic update somehow. I don't know if she clicked the update button. I don't know if she just had a repair gone wrong. But it was kind of like the job where I had Microsoft help before. But the good news is, is that I already saw her problem and was like, okay, <laughs> we're downgrading her right now. So the one thing I learned about downgrading from 16 to 13 is this. Here's a couple tips for you guys is I already knew she was on exchange. I already did the mailbox check with the OST check. Everything was fine. It matched up. That's all she had. Thank goodness. That's it. So instead of making a new profile and causing the problems, which that's an easy answer, creating a new profile. But the long-term solution is to downgrade her back. And so I basically went into the Add Remove programs, uninstalled her 16. I went online, downloaded the 13, installed over it, didn't even have to reboot, worked like a charm. And some of the problems she was having was just little snaggy things that aren't really fixable. It's all weird. You know, like when a client starts telling me their problems, I'm like, not standard, not standard, not standard not standard, that's standard, but I know how to fix that. But what about these other four little clunky problems? Well, when you start adding it up and doing the math, that's when you do the math that the upgrade did this. And, you know, I hate to say reinstalling fixes it, but it's what I have to do sometimes. So I'm not going to try to fix four little snaggy things that happened all at once, right? Okay, so anyway, will that update button come back for her? I don't know. I tell people just to ignore it. Unfortunately, I've had to do it on my own and it's very, very annoying. Okay. Well, I think that's just enough here for this week. Uh, we got Hans coming up here in a little bit, so we will resume. And again, that's Hans Brender from bit Titan, the Microsoft maniac. I'm gonna call him. <laughs> it's really a joy to talk to. So we'll see you folks in a couple minutes here. All right, folks, last promise this week, I'm uh, going to talk to Hans Brender, who's been working for BitTitan. And since I've been following him on social media, he's uh, quite a busy guy telling everybody about all their products and their hiring and everything. And he's just got so much information. So let's welcome Hans Brender to the show. Hey, Hans. Hi. Yes. So it is. So it Sunday, is. And it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Hans is in Germany and he's uh, nine hours ahead of me. And I'm over here in the Pacific time, so it's a little early for me usually. But uh, we worked it out today, Hans. I'm very excited to have you on the show. Perfect. Yes. 
So why don't you start telling us a little bit about you and what you do and your background? Because what you have going on is is quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an old guy. I have to retire in the next few years. So oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, no. No, the perfect thing is uh, that I don't speak perfect English, but I try my best. And uh, two years ago, I have the opportunity and say, hey, I want to work with an U.S. company. So I take the chance and go to be Titan. So I was formerly uh, here. I'm a CEO of two different companies. One company is my own company. The other one, I'm a CEO of uh, uh, several cloud and not cloud uh, people that work for Microsoft. I'm a Microsoft vendor. Therefore, we have to do a lot of the culture things and all the technical stuff for Microsoft and Microsoft partners here in Germany. So for me, I have so many things. And I think seven or eight years ago, uh, they say, hey, there is a program like OneDrive, no, the formerly the SharePoint workspace in the version 2010. But I didn't know it all in these times. And I write a blog and do a lot of C stuff. And at the Titan, it was different. I was at TTS. That's uh, in the early days with Chesru. Chesru was in these days, Jesse Seegers was in these days um, uh, migration with leader, uh, let's say, uh, manager of all these stuff. So I decided to go to Titan, and then he say, okay, it's a perfect way. And after three weeks, I'm come back and was responsible for the whole Europe area. Oh, and nice. <laughs> the special thing is, yes, I have no one I may ask. I know a lot of all these technical stuff on-prem, but uh, it's not so easy to say, hey, there are big companies, there were small companies, and all things are in English, and I have to decide what I have to do in Germany. Germany is, let's say, three to five years back, not in the cloud. There are three to five years behind the scene. So now we have a new data center, and uh, that's very interesting. In, in the next year, 2017, we may order Office 365, although in the German cloud. So yes. it was very interesting. But the difference in is I was alone. Six weeks after that, we have three people here, but it's a, a little bit special. You have to ask someone at Bitaiden, but they have to know, like we now, uh, that there are different time zones. So yeah. I have to ask Chesru or other people. Um, there were no other TPS that starts after me. And that means only one person or two persons. And if I have an answer for a customer here in Germany, I have to ask, let's say, Chesru or James, uh, and have to announce my questions so that he can answer with yes or no. Then I got an answer in the German time zone that I can give the customer of the title <laughs> and the answer. Now it's better. Now we seven people here, uh, but I decide to change my role. And now I have a social ambassador character. That means I have to do here for a European and the different culture things uh, here in Europe and do a lot of blogging, working as an MVP. I'm a four years MVP uh, for SharePoint, but it's specialized of collaboration things. So that's my, my background about that. 
Wow. Well, what you were saying about the Germany uh, servers is that uh, I've heard just in the last couple of months that the Canadian folks got their own and Australia as well. So that's good for centralizing the data and not having it go through like, you know, like through all these di different, uh, uh, not zones, but I mean, it's, it's better to have it local. Thinking about uh, the small companies, yeah. thinking about the five to 10 people companies. So if you know, I have my data in my house, the old on-premise times. So it looks like I have my data, my data on my own. So going into the cloud and going far away from Canadian to the U.S. data centers, ah, oh, here in Germany, going to Dublin, uh, Amsterdam, that's a European data centers. That mm -hmm. means, hey, they're far away different law rules and all these stuff, it's yeah. not so easy. And therefore, it's better to have it in my own country. So now we have two data centers here in <laughs> Germany with a trusted law things over it. And that's the same for the Canadian. If some people we have, I know that uh, from the PTS of Canada, um, of B-Titan, that he say, hey, I have also some people, some companies, they want to have the data from the U.S. data center going back home, yeah, near me, my own data to Canada. <laughs> and I know that we have uh, some other things we will have next year, uh, also in French, you know, data center. That means in the country, and that's typical. It has nothing to do with the technique. I know it's, it's safe, it's secure, but people want to have it nearby me. So yeah. that's a different. Yeah, I understand all that too. I heard the on another podcast how happy the Canadian folks were that they got their own. <laughs> They're very <Yeah>. happy. <laughs> well, Hans, let's talk about a couple things here. We're going to start with uh, this Yammer product. And I say it that way because a lot of break, fix techs and MSP folks, from what I've seen on the internet, no one talks about it. And I, I, I logged into a Yammer Microsoft community once, and I still couldn't figure it out. So why don't you tell us about it and how you folks use it, and maybe we can get an idea and start blending it into our business models. Yeah. The problem about that, you have to go into the past. How often do that with other programs of Microsoft that bought one? In the beginning, Yammer was a platform for their own. Therefore, you have a chat tool and you have things. Hey, we in Microsoft have all these things. But to, to, to know about all these stuff, it's very interesting. And you know that was in different data centers. It was not in data centers from Microsoft. It was uh, in data centers of Amazon. And if Microsoft bought these things, they moved a little bit, all these things. Now we are in Azure and are at home. So thinking about and telling all this stuff, hey, I'm in SharePoint. And in SharePoint now, you cannot have your own news feed, but you can also have a different one with Yammer and can discuss that. That means, yes, Yammer is, and now we have to decide what's a better way to do that because you also have some groups or something. And my, my personal opinion is if you have a company, a big company, then it's okay to have Yammer. You need some administrator things to establish the Yammer and mm -hmm. also to have some other groups inside Yammer. Let's say Office 365 or a group, let's say Word or Excel or something else. So that people inside a company can talk in these groups. 
but you still need an administrator. So for smaller ones, they don't know that. Mm. And um, it's for bigger companies. It's okay. You have a general section. You post all these things out. And it's although a different kind of culture. Because some people say, hey, we have an open door policy. And our CEO can talk to all of the people. And that's very interesting. But ideas can also have in special uh, subsections. So now for the smaller ones, and that's a different when you have groups inside the SharePoint things, that means, hey, it's easy because I do not have to talk uh, to an administrator. I can do it my own. Let's say we want to have one. Let's say we talk this Office 365 and we can say, make a group and can, we can talk and we can also take other people in there. That means we are not to, to, to say, hey, I, Mr. Administrator, can you establish that? We can do it at your own. And that gotcha. means for, for an idea that I say, hey, I have a document, you can save it. And uh, you have all the, the collaboration things with Exchange. That means we can have an, um, an account and we can do all the email stuff inside these groups. So that's a different thing and means, yes, if we are ready with two or three people, then we can move the data to a site, uh, a team site in, in SharePoint and say, hey, now you are, we are ready. We have the idea, conclusion. We have some documents for you now. And the team sites, you need an administrator. So that's a difference. In Yammer, it's a collaboration platform. Yes, you can do that, but it works now and the documents are changing now in the behavior. But uh, it's more than, hey, we can just discuss that. And uh, that's very interesting, but you have to look for all these stuff. And that's very, very uh, different. I think for greater companies, it's okay. But for small companies, if you are going to Office 365, it's a better way because groups for me and for the smaller ones, it's better to establish all these collaboration things. Okay, well, I'm going to just let everybody know that I'm still kind of having a hard time understanding the groups thing. I haven't yet, Hans, dove into it yet because my clients are under like, you know, 10 people. So yeah. they already like chatting how they do, which is they're sitting next to each other. They have Skype. They have um, instant chat still from whatever, Google, whatever. So to me, I want to learn the groups a lot more. But what you said was interesting. It's like the SharePoint has the data. The Yammer has the collaborative tools, right? <laughs> right? But thinking for the small ones is, is very interesting. You say, hey, if you have a group, if you are on Office 365 and not all these stuff is inside, you know the plans, E1, E2, E3 or something, you have to decide, hey, is there Yammer in there or is there SharePoint in there? SharePoint, you have a lot except of the P1 plan. But that means, hey, if I have an E2 or E3 plan with the SharePoint things in it, then you have all these stuff. You can collaborate. But yeah. collaboration, and that is very interesting from a standpoint of culture. Yeah. In Germany, we have a culture we have to discuss. There are processes. They are not saying, hey, we have to have this big document and two or three people may collaborate together and writing this document till the evening to have it out to the customer. So that's the big thing. But you have to decide 
where is the document where we have to and you can say okay for these guys we can have these documents inside a group or inside a team site so a group is is for the beginning let's say i'm a marketing guy so and you are marketing then we can have a discussion with an idea it's still not for the company but if we are ready with these documents, then we can say, hey, marketing guys, here we have an idea and now you are on the run. So that's our steps of processes. But in Germany, they do it a little bit other. They say, hey, I have a document. I send it to you as an attachment. You are answering me and send it to the next one and so on. Now, that's not so easy. And we say, hey, there are other things for people I don't know what's in America and US on the countryside, not in the big cities. Yeah. In Germany, they say, hey, we don't have the bandwidth to work together on a document uh, is living in the cloud. So that are other things we have to know. So, and you know that people like to say, hey, I have done this 10 years. Why should I have to change these processes? Hans, let me just tell you from my clients, I can tell you this, everybody loves attaching files. They mm -hmm. have gigs and gigs and gigs of email with, we're talking like supersize attachments too. Yeah. And what I think the, the difference of the mentality is, is that what the Office 365 intentions are to take away the attachments and move it to a collaborative sharing. So like if I send you, if, like you work at Bed Titan and I send you a document, it should all be in the cloud, not through an email attachment pretty much. But yeah. The problem is people don't understand. Let's say marketing or other salespeople, let's say salespeople, they want to have an Excel sheet and all these salespeople have to fill out some, some data. One person ships his Excel sheet to 10 guys and 10 guys do all the stuff and then send it back to me as a sales leader. So now I have a problem because now I have 10 different Excel sheets and I have to collect all these yeah. data. That <laughs> mustn't make sense. It costs time, time for the company. So if I have it and not as an attachment, I'll have to save it into the cloud. Now the people can work for her own. Sometimes, okay, they can also do a working together on one document. It depends on the document. But if they are ready, they'll say, hey, I'm ready, ready, ready. Ten people, I'm ready. And I have a third, uh, fixed, ready document, what I want to have. That saves me time. And that's one of the things people have to know about that. Well, I think that that's where uh, Office 365 is going is, I mean, they have been is collaborating. And I think that's what the small businesses are having the struggle with. So that's actually going to segue us right into the next topic of OneDrive because now it's time to bring in that discussion because I've never had somebody on the show yet that actually has talked about OneDrive on the level that you know it. And I'm going to let you know that a lot of my listeners are small brick fix companies all the way up mm -hmm. to MSP level. I mean, I don't know who's listening to the show ever, but I could tell you this Hans that um, from my experiences, I take in calls from people who have OneDrive mess ups big problems. Mm -hmm. They've, they've mm -hmm. set it up wrong. It doesn't sync. They're having synchronizing issues. And because I'm expensive uh, and they want to use a, a system that works, it's been hard for me to say, let's go ahead and set you on OneDrive for business because it doesn't seem stable for a small business yet. But 
again, uh, maybe I haven't been trained right, but I know in the cloud it's stable because things on the cloud are just more stable, right? Mm -hmm. But my clients want the desktop syncing. They want to still get this on. They still want to be in Outlook, hit that attach button, and go grab the file and attach it. That's what they still yep. want yep. to do. Yep. So, so the, we have to go also with one drive into the past. First, and it's years ago, there was a program named Groove. And Groove was I not at Microsoft. <laughs> you really know that, yeah? yeah. And uh, for the first thing, we have to decide. That was a very interesting Groove you can have over the firewall with no things. If you can surf, you can uh, exchange data from one person to another person without having a server inside. That was the beginning of all these things. And that was uh, the best way was uh, with the Hurricane Katrina um, in New Orleans, that if you have broken things, that's the best way. If you have a channel, you can exchange information. So that was the beginning. And then Microsoft bought these things and put it around and say, hey, now it's part of a program like um, Office 2010, and it called them SharePoint Workspace. Still the same technology, looking like uh, an XP client, and that was also okay. But it was the first time with SharePoint Workspace that you now can also synchronize data to your, exchange, uh, to your SharePoint on-prem. That was the first thing. Okay. And they build around a little stuff and they're more than although another group comes up and say, hey, we want to have it in these collaboration times with smartphones and so on. And they're called it SkyDrive. And they make a <laughs> professional version with SkyDrive Pro. SkyDrive is still there. And SkyDrive Pro, we have to rename it because through those law things in England, Microsoft have to have a new name for it. Okay. Coming out from SkyDrive, there will be OneDrive. Coming from SkyDrive Pro, there will be OneDrive for business. So okay. there was a first mistake Microsoft makes um, in the past, the marketing guys, because they always speak about OneDrive. And they don't know or realize that are two different things. So. Yeah. Office 365 come up and we synchronize still with the old synchronization client. And if you know in your system and you go to on-prem versions, you still have this Groove Axie. I've and seen that. I I, yes. And therefore, the first question, if people come to me and say, hey, do you can help me? It's the first question. Which operating system do you use? And are you in the cloud? Do you use Office 365? Or do you have on-prem version because on-prem is still not ready. But let wow. me explain a little bit more. They are say, hey, Windows 10 comes up and they decided to build a completely new sync client because the old Groove client has two things, no error messages, wrong error messages, and now sometimes if you have no error messages, you don't know what's, what's happened. If you go to your personal account, which the data lies in uh, Azure files, it's very interesting. That will work very good. So in OneDrive for Business, they say, hey, we use it differently 
because OneDrive for Business, and it's a name, it's a brand, and it's all those, they're old, my site in SharePoint. Yeah. And they'll say, hey, that's, that's okay, but now you have a SharePoint layer between them. The data are still live in these things, but not on SharePoint files and uh, on, on, on Azure files, but are in Azure blobs. So that's a difference. <laughs> Therefore, we have to know these old Groove client synchronize all or nothing. The OneDrive, the next generation sync client, we call them, this is a little special because they say, hey, it's built for collaboration. It's built with 120 languages. Groove, you can all go install in one language, US or German. If I have one machine with two persons, it's not possible. You can have it only in one language, but the next generation sync client you have in all languages. So that was the beginning and they decided to bring it out with Windows 10. If you have the idea, the Windows 10 was first announced that they will come to Christmas last year. So then the leadership say, I don't know who, uh, we will have it at August. So, you know, Microsoft is such a great company, but too many people, and therefore it was not ready for all things. That yeah. means if you have a Windows 10, you have still the next generation sync client on it. And it works at the beginning only with your personal OneDrive. The difference yeah. is I have, I can selective sync. I start and my client and say, hey, I want to drive in with OneDrive, for, uh, OneDrive personal. And he asks me for the credentials. And then I can say, hey, now I have your directory and this file, uh, folder and this folder I may sync and the other way not. Thinking about all these um, new devices we have. If you have a new device only with, let's say 64 gigs, then you cannot sync all these stuff you have in OneDrive or OneDrive for Business, yeah. <laughs> that's equal. Yeah? Therefore they have to decide going back three or four steps and build a new client. So that was the first thing because it was too early. Then they came up and say, hey, now we want to build more and more. And I make a, a big thing. Now you can synchronize with a preview version to all this stuff in the cloud, not with on-prem. So <laughs> that's the difference that I can say, yes, I have only one OneDrive personal, but I have also other things I can sync to my OneDrive for business. That's for me, that's my business cloud data and has nothing to do with the rest of the company. I can share with documents and all this stuff, but I can say, okay, I have so many files and there's also another issue. Groove has a problem that you cannot sync more than 20,000 files. And also if that. you are, yeah. And although the other guy, uh, number is 5,000, that means uh, over all team sites, if you have a bigger company, they have more than one team site, that's only, that means 5,000 and 20,000. And I know a lot of people, also an ex-MVP, he says, I have trouble with the system. I'm in the cloud completely. And it doesn't sync anymore. And I go to in with a team fuel session and I say, look for that. How many files do you have? And we looked in there, right mouse click, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And we say, hey, it was uh, 5,150. 
And after we, have, we decided 150 files moving to another thing, yeah, then he syncs again. So that is the best way. It was the old Groove clients because it was on the team side. Oh, and I still don't we, understand why people need a terabyte of data in the cloud. I honestly, yeah. my, I, I honestly keep like just what I need to share with myself. I've really yeah. learned that the less on the cloud for me keeps things a lot smoother. And I've had clients that have set up OneDrive and been like, well, I put up my whole server on there. I'm like, mm. why would you do that? I know they want to get rid of the server, but I'm like, they didn't even test it first to see you know, how it worked. They just dumped it in there, Hans. Yeah. And so I, that, sort of, <laughs> that, that, that's a difference. If you have a good internet connection, I love a lot of, uh, I, love, yeah. I know through the, the Titan story uh, where we also move some data um, that most of the people say, hey, my documents, my pictures, I can also have it. If you have a normal company, you have a file server and these data are normally on the file server. That means if you start your machine and the machine cracks, that means, hey, I have no connection. No worry about all the data. If you have it in documents and in and pictures and all these stuff, they are building a new machine, a new hard disk, and then you connect to the file server and that yeah. data are still there. So if they go to the cloud, they say, hey, this data we can also have in the cloud. So there are some big companies also that decide, yes, we want to go into the cloud. And I have written in the past for Titan a PowerShell script to move all the data yeah? because it's different. Uh, the, file, the folder, your, your folder name beginning is 4711. My folder name is beginning with 4712 and other people 1314, but not with the name association. So gotcha. therefore I decided to build a PowerShell script. And the biggest one I have done was uh, with a Canadian company that was a communication company with 2.7 terabytes of data. <laughs> so they move it. And that the beginning is the still, if the machine is not stopping to work, I get another machine, I connect, but not with my file server, I connect it with the cloud. And I can say, I don't want to have all these data. I have a selective sync only 2016 or the next year 2017 folder. And that's also good for the small machines. So that's a different. It's also a story that I can eliminate my file server stuff. Yeah. Well, I see and, the point of wanting to decommission servers and move to the cloud. Yeah. I, I think that uh, a lot of folks just dive in too far, too fast without testing first. That's why I always recommend to my clients, I'm like, yeah. do this, set it up, try a few files, share with people, share with internal, share with external, try to, you know, just do a test environment first and then see yeah. how it goes and then dive in. Because for us as technicians to fully support OneDrive and SharePoint means that we need to know it to sell it, support it, and continue yeah. support. And yeah. that's our next topic. But it's really hard when I even feel I'm like knowledgeable, but I'm not comfortable yet, Hans. It's it's really like I have to get more comfortable. I know that. So the problem is the first question about all these supporting things is 
which version do you know? Which version do you have? Are you in the cloud? Are you on-prem? If you're on-prem, you still have the old proof client. That's yeah. the first decision. And uh, you cannot say it's a white cloud or a blue cloud symbol in your notification area. It doesn't work anymore. The second question you also have to know is which operating system do you know? Do you use? Do yeah. you use Mac? Yes, it will work with Mac. And then the third question is, which version of these next generation sync client do you use? Because now we're able, and I have to, to, to spend up the last thing about this OneDrive thing, because we come back to, to the support thing. Okay. Um, that means now uh, at Ignite, Microsoft decided to bring a preview version who can connect to all the different things in the cloud uh, with the next generation sync client and it works and i can have so many connections i can have shared with me files on local synchronization and all this stuff so therefore it's the first question which operating system do you use if you have windows 7 if you have windows 8.0 or windows 10 that's not a problem uh, if you go in the cloud, it's okay. And then you see two, sometimes the people don't know. I have a blue cloud symbol and I have a white cloud symbol. The white symbol means generally one drive personal. That's oh. okay. White symbol in the notification area, white symbol personal. It's only one. In the old days you can have, I have more than one uh, one drive personal for our handball team and all these stuff. I have a different OneDrive, but I cannot synchronize it on, on one machine. On a different machine, I can say yes, but only one, one and only one white symbol. If you have a blue-white symbol, you have to look which version is it. You have to click with the right mouse button on the blue symbol, and then yeah. you see if you have a pop-up, there's a pop-up window, and if you see a little symbol on the left side, a little cloud symbol, yeah. also in blue. Then you know that's a new generation sync client. If you <laughs> don't have the, the, this blue symbol, then you know you use the old Groove client. Oh, so interesting. For support, it's very interesting, yes. You have to look, as I sent you uh, also uh, some slides, and we can also have one that means there is a decision pass with Visio I have made. That's only three or five questions we don't have to ask. If it's a blue, it's a white. If it's blue, right mouse button, and see a little symbol, then I know it's a new generation sync line. But oh. you have to remember, I have more than one blue symbol. Yes, you do. The first blue symbol, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first blue symbol is, and we don't, I don't speak now, not with the next generation sync client. I only speak about the next, uh, um, the old, not the groove client, sorry. Uh, I also, I only speak about the next generation sync client. The okay. first thing is, I do it with my OneDrive for business and have all these one terabyte data. No, I don't have so much things in the cloud. I have different things, but that's the first one. The second blue can also see, hey, I have a team site, the documents of a team site synchronized. And also another one I have shared with me data. So when you have to look about all this stuff on my blog, uh, you can also have some links in there. There is a description about all this stuff. And then as a consultant, and if you possible, if you, somebody is going into the cloud and have a tenant for you, uh, means a free tenant, 
then means, okay, you can also have to this company again, that the next generation sync client is showing to there the data there. So that means I have more than one blue simple and I have to look in my explorer. And therefore that means, okay, we have blue symbols, but it's the same blue symbol as the old groove. That means I have a blue groove symbol that's on-prem. I have a blue, um, if I don't have a preview, I speak for the preview and that will come. The global availability of the next generation sync client will come to Christmas, hopefully. I press all, of course, the fingers about We get that. a gift from Microsoft, yay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that means I have all these stuff and you can look about that. That means if you have an 8.1, Windows 8.1, and many people have 8.1. Yeah. There is a difference because in 8.1, there was the old SkyDrive XE that only shows to OneDrive personal implemented in the Explorer. Yeah. So the first thing I think, hey, in the first, in the beginning, they said no 8.1. Hey, most people use 8.1 and not 8.0. So then I think, hey, they have to do and say to the programmers at Windows 8.1, we're still on Windows 10. What is with that? Forget it. We have to go on to the future. So they decided we have still, because this SkyDrive X is only going to one for a personal, white symbol. Yeah. That means that SkyDrive X is a blue symbol. You can have a groove X. And if you have another uh, blue symbol, that's SkyDrive, uh, that's the next generation sync line. Therefore, that means in 8.1, you have three different engines running. I know, and I've seen it, Hans, and it is really scary. You know what? Let me just stop you for one second. We can come back. I will tell you that since 8 point, uh, Windows 8, 8.1, and Windows 10 has come out, um, when people install you know, the 5 for $99 Office subscription, they yep. get OneDrive for free. And this has caused a lot of people drama because what happens is they install it and don't know. OneDrive, there's two things. When you install the, the software that automatically gets installed and B windows 10 is now having it pre-installed. Yeah. So I have like lawyers that are saving files to OneDrive without knowing it. And that can be really <laughs> scary in terms of yep. financials and client data in the cloud that shouldn't be. And, you know, I've told many clients, Hans, I'm like, do you know that your default saving location is OneDrive? And they're like, I did not know that. I'm like, because when you set up your Windows 10 computer, some something got connected. I don't do the setups usually, like on a new computer with a client like that. But I'm like, they don't know that. And is yeah. that kind of, that, that's kind of bad that Windows is doing that. Not normally, in a, if you have a company with 10 people or five people, they have to decide we want to make a team site for the stuff yeah. they want to know. Let's say lawyer, lawyer stuff. So then they can synchronize now or at the end of the year with these things. The one drive for business is one terabyte of data. That's for my business stuff, but only for me. It has nothing to do with the other lawyers in our company. So that's a different where do I, and the problem is if I want to share it with another lawyer in my company, then I have to say, I have to share it with you. So that's a different because I don't want to share it. 
The, the difference is also if you have 10 people, then there you have an active directory on these parts. And that means, okay, if you have more than one team site, let's say, okay, CEO and CFO has one team site and the lawyer people has another team site. So if you have a new person, you can say, hey, you are in the active directory or the Azure Active Directory or something else, also for the small ones, that means if you come into uh, as a new, you don't only have to be in the Active Directory. And that means, yes, now you are able to, uh, to, to look for the files in your browser. And then you see, hey, here are the data for all lawyers. So that's different. And that's also different uh, thinking about, hey, what do I have to synchronize as a new lawyer? I don't need the old stuff. I only need the new stuff. So in the beginning, now with the new X generation sync client, that's the first synchronization. You have to go into the client, whether the system you are using, and say, okay, I want to synchronize. We don't speak about OneDrive personal. We want to synchronize to OneDrive for business. That's the first thing. But they're doing the personal, Hans. Because you know what? Yeah. They don't know. And here's the yeah. worst part. And this is why I'm just telling my listeners who are a lot of break, fix techs is that the OneDrive is becoming the automatic default without the clients knowing. So technicians need to make sure that they know where the default save location is, whether it be their, their network or their computer that's getting backed up by online. But I, yeah. I just, I'm worried Hans that I'm finding a lot of people's data in the OneDrive and they don't want it there because Microsoft is making it, default because they're like, hey, why not? It's our own product. Well, really what you're doing is taking data and owning it then, and then you have part ownership of it. And what happens if something gets messed up, Hans? What if something uh, bad happens? You have also, yes, there is also a line train that you have the data in your server uh, recycle bin. That's okay. You also have 25 steps for uh, the old data. If we, we have a data in there, let's say an Excel sheet, and we, we manipulate it, first me, then you, then first, then again, another person or someone, you have three different versions. That means each time you save, and leave Excel, you have all the version. But in OneDrive Personal, there are only 25. In OneDrive for Business or in SharePoint team sites, and it's all SharePoint, that means you have unlimited. So that's a different. Yeah. Uh, you have a recycle bin, you have more things about security, blah, 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 blah. And that's, people don't know that. Because the first yeah. thing you go into your client and say, hey, you need an account. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have an account, a Microsoft account, and it's that personal. That's the first one. And then you can say at a business account. Oh, that's a different. That's now in OneDrive for business. But with team sites, it's a little bit different because thinking about the first thing I have to thought in, in, in the, let's say, four or five months ago, I think, what, how do Microsoft do with the team sites? In team sites, and you have to think for big. If Microsoft has several inside Microsoft, they have thousands and more than, I think, more than 40,000 team sites. Oh so goodness. thinking if you are on the client and say, I want to have a team site, that is not realistic. But then he has to look, where are you able to look for these 35,000 team sites? Are you able to have control of it? That's impossible for 
therefore the enterprise. Therefore, it's different. You have to go with your browser to your Steam site. And yes, I am now able, I see all these files. And then you see the document library, and then you can hit the sync button. And then he says, okay, there's a pop-up window. Which files do you want? Not the old one, only the new one, blah, 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 blah. And that's for each team size. And for each team size, you have another control, another, another <laughs> balloon. And therefore, yeah, and it, it looks very interesting about all this stuff. I make... Um, I have written about, uh, if you have more than one, a uh, little, uh, let's say, a uh, little article in English. I blog in two different languages. My English is not perfect, but the people understand it. And then Holm, it's a former MVP, is now at Microsoft. He said, that's very interesting because you have more than one. There are all things in there, and also the difference in showing which file is showing in your Explorer in what, where is it? That's very scary for, for the people. I oh, think Hans, in two or scary. three years. Yes, in three years, nobody, yeah. That was, a, the difference is also that they have only one name. You remember I mentioned it, OneDrive and OneDrive. Oh no, it's OneDrive for business. So uh, <laughs> you have to scroll over it and. I don't know why they named it, Hans, the same name for three products. It's yeah. also like how they named Office 365 for home and Office 365 for business. Makes mm -hmm. no sense to me, Hans, because guess what? Nine times out of ten, when I remote into someone's computer, they're a small business of three or four people. They went and bought the Office 365 subscription, five for $99. Yeah. Because they don't know the difference. No. There's no law that That's, says that you yeah. can't share it within a small company. No one reads the fine print. And then what happens? They all get the same OneDrive. So that's scary because they're all logged into the same account and they all, that's it's really, that's where it gets messy. Um, I, I haven't dealt with that in a long time, Hans, but I'll tell you that there's three versions of OneDrive, three versions of Office 365. <laughs> they need to have different names. And my yeah. God, fix this Skype issue, the Skype for business. That's Think insane. About, <laughs> I know, I know the, the, the team or direction behind the scene. It's perfect for the marketing guys because <laughs> they have only one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Pitaito now we have a new deployment pro and we have also some articles and we say legacy deployment pro and deployment pro because it's not a new name. It's a yeah. different technique and all of these stuff. So you have to know about that. And this is the same problem. We are a small company and, but that's the same thing at Microsoft and people sometimes, uh, I think uh, half a year, Microsoft Germany calls me and say, hey, we have some TSPs. Could you bring us uh, all things, all new things for this OneDrive and OneDrive for business in half an hour? So <laughs> that's very interesting um, what they say. They have the same problem. And I, I don't know why, why they do not have renamed it to different names. <laughs> huh? I wish, you know, what's funny is oh. the one product that everybody remembers the name of, that doesn't understand it is Yammer. So that would have been like a perfect, you know, they need to have one name for one thing because technicians from what I see in the forums, Hans, they, they confuse the home and business. They don't understand the difference. And I certainly do now that I've done a lot of support, but it's hard for me to even explain it to people. Yeah. It's very hard on my end. Yeah. 
Sometimes yeah. you have to know where, and, and that's therefore I, so many people uh, ask me. So now I, I use a Windows phone, but, and uh, oh. people I have also. Yeah, I'm I'm a Windows phone user still, but um, yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. And uh, I got a message a message tweet. Uh, he asked me, "Hey, what's with this iOS?" So now I decided and have for my son. My son uses an Apple. He's now on Apple 7, has a 6, and I got the old 5.0. So that means I have to see, yes, it's different. And I have to say to these people, why don't you just try it? Oh, I don't see it. Yes, I mm. also don't see it. That means you have to look which client do you use. And I cannot say I use Windows 10. No, I don't have use Windows 7, Windows 8.1, and Windows 10. So I have also Office 2010, Office 2013, and Office 2016. And yep. one thing you have to know also, if they have the user version, that's the last thing about OneDrive. Uh, it's, but it's very interesting. You know if a Word or an Excel program has to be updated. If yeah. you have a CD, then you have it with a Vesus or you have with an update service from Microsoft and have the new version, right? Yeah, so the new first. version breaks for people though, Hans. Now yeah, that we're yeah, talking yeah. about sales story. and support. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah. I'm, I just did, okay, right before you came on, I did my pre, you know, show that I do before guests. And all I did was talk about how Windows is forcing these updates down people's throats. It breaks their outlook. And then, you know, some of these people that had, uh, that had bought the product, they don't have their key anymore. So that's all gone. And they're like calling me and I'm like, yep. let's go talk to Microsoft because they know all the backdoor tricks now. Yep. And, and it comes down to this, Hans, is that I can fix people's problems. I can't fix Microsoft's broken software problems. Perfect. And it, and it's, yeah, that's, that's how I tell people how I support it now. I will connect yep. you to Microsoft. We'll get in their chat window, but they are fixing your software problem because I'm too expensive to do that. Yeah, and it frustrates me, Hans. I can't keep up with all the changes that they constantly have. Yeah, it's constant. Yeah. So I have a Vesus server running on my on-prem version for my ten or fifteen clients. So <laughs> that's that's a normal stuff. Um, that means in a small company, or let's say in a mid-sized company, they will have these Vesus update service. That means if you run on an old version or a new version coming with a CD against the new thing or versus the new things. If you run an Office 365, you have this click to run. You know, yeah. then you see all these stuff and have the newest version, blah, 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 blah. So that's the two different Office versions we have, not yeah. between 2010, 2013, only the newest one. So now you have a third one. Oh, now I have to qu the question for you now. <laughs> How is this uh, one next generation sync client be come to new version? With the old one or with the new one of these update services? And I tell you, it's the third one. It's the same. It's not with Bezos. It's not with click to run. It comes by itself. This client, if you start your machine, looks, if you start a machine normally once a day to the Microsoft, if they're a new version. All right. Where is that on the computer on Windows 10? No, it's not on the computer. Uh, the next oh. generation sync client is in the context of a user. 
That means if you have one machine with two users, you have these program run that's only in an instance of a program but it run in a constant and that comes under uh, user at local you have to establish a, normally you don't see the path and so on uh, but there is uh, um, the program resides and he looks about if it starts a program he looks about of a new version why that's a normal explanation if you change some things in SharePoint in the cloud, Microsoft has to be the changes once. And you know the rings in that, that say, okay, now we are ready for the first ring. Then they're established to the new tenants or to a lot of tenants, but not all. Then is That's the next right. level and so on. That means in these ring technology, they are ready and have new functionality. That means one of your tenants, if you have a support file has these functions, the other, fun uh, other tenant doesn't have these functions. So now they are ready and say, oh, all things are correct on the server side. Microsoft now must have the ability to change your client program to this new functionality. Therefore, if a program starts and they are ready, that program does, brings up the file per self, install it, you don't see that. It doesn't take so uh, long. You don't have to synchronize all this stuff again and have a new version. Therefore, each time you go in, you have to look for the version of the information. And before we got the preview, we have one version. I have three different systems here in my, my, in my room, in my office, and I have three different versions of the next generation sync line. And after they bring the preview there, or four weeks before they have the preview, they say, hey, we are ready and all synchronization climbs now on the same level. So that doesn't, we have to know. If you want to have an update, you don't have to lose with the update sites or they have a Visu server. No, you don't have to. It's not click to run. No, you don't have to. You have to see which version and it comes Herself. That's okay. It's a good thing, but, but you have to know that. Hans, all of that was super confusing to me. And you know what? <laughs> I'm like going, if I'm the support tech and I have to do all those steps, that makes me, I would have to say, cost have to have a more costly service to my clients. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just like drop and go, you know, plug and play. It really, I mean, I don't do that level of work, but it sounds like it's a lot of administrative. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is, Normally, right? yes. Yeah. This, this next generation sync client also has the ability that is behind the scene that you also have in a company. And I now I say it to you, it's not only for 10 people. It's also, there are 10 yeah. people you need have to know about group policies because now we can able to say as a group policy, in my company, we don't have to install OneDrive personal. That's one entry in the crew policy. So the people don't have a OneDrive personal. <laughs> so another thing is that I can connect you to your OneDrive for business automatically, silent in the background. So that's a company, enterprise functions company need that. But the problem is, hey, I have no crew policy because we are local network. We have Chrono server, but we use Office 365. You know about these stuff? Yeah. That's a difference about that. Uh, the old client wasn't able to be 
enterprise ready. The new client is being, and we have still a half a year. And I will take you a joke. Uh, next month, I will, well, next week, no, in next month. At the one, first of November, I have to go to be Titan for two days, and then we have an MVP summit. Last in Redmond, last year, we were for, before, uh, in, in a session before OneDrive, and a guy of Germany asked me, hey, Hans, you are going around Europe and tell the people on SharePoint Saturdays, hey, that's the next generation thing client and you have to do that. I can speak about one or two hours about that. So uh, how long will you do that? And I say, yeah, if it works, I will re-retire. <laughs> so we're going into the session. And after the session, we have uh, again a break, uh, and I, I I met him again uh, by the coffee, and I say, and he says, "Hey Hans, you cannot be retired because this will take some time." <laughs> so yes, I will do that. And first, the people I write a lot in two languages. It takes time, but I write a lot about this next generation sync client. They have to look on my site. And sometimes I have a problem, but not only if they are a little bit with technical thing. That means if you are not a technical guy, you don't have a problem. And that is a problem for all these small companies. Oh, God. I mean, it's, it's hard for me just with my, my small business, one to five people. You know, yeah. and, I, and I've told my, my listeners here that I have given up on it. I, I, I honestly, it's just too much for me to. Here's the thing, Hans, is that. I'm an Outlook expert, so to speak, quote unquote, right? I mean, no one's yeah. an expert at everything. But then I started working with Exchange and I built an Office 365. And then back in the old days, you know, when OneDrive was pretty stable, I didn't mind it. But then it started breaking so bad. And then I just decided I'm not going to be a OneDrive expert. Mm -hmm. But but then when people call for Office 365, what they're saying, Hans, is we have a huge freaking mess here. And yeah. I'm like, I know because it everybody got configured differently. No one trained you on it. No yep. one set it up right. Yep. And that's the yep. problem is that Microsoft sells it as a plug and play option and that people are supposed to just automatically know it works. And they're comparing it to products like Dropbox. That just mm. is a simple it software. It's just simple. <laughs> what was yeah. that? That that that's correct, but it's a different way. In Microsoft also yes, there's still say with these collaboration things. If you yeah. have file, you have no office files and you sync it to the data, inside this technique, it's bits, that's the old technology, but this will work perfectly. But if you go and say, that's an office file, you want to collaborate and the, the, the machine doesn't know. If you want to collaborate, office will split up. Therefore you have these upload center and all this stuff. And that means you can collaborate, but people are still not in the area of collaboration. No. But my question about you, what version of office do you use? In Outlook, which version? Okay, so I've got three systems. I have a laptop with Windows 10. I just did the um, free upgrade over the summer. I have Outlook 16 on that one. Mm -hmm. I have my command center computer, which is a uh, Windows 10, and I have 13 on that, <laughs> which 13 to me is my baby. I yep. do all my training on it. I do everything on it because it's just stable. Then I have a Mac with uh, 2016, and then Perfect. I, down I downgraded 2011 for testing because I do a shit ton of testing, Hans, for clients. And so, this, this 2016, is this a CD or is this the Office 365? Yep, I uh, have a subscription. Yep, yep, and That's I have a version. 
Yep. And I also have an Office 365 um, P. Uh, it's the older plan that they now uh, don't sell. Yeah. It has the yeah. SharePoint, OneDrive. Um, now, let me tell you what I did, Han. So on my Windows 10 computer with 2016, I went into my SharePoint and I was like, let me just fart around a little bit and see what happens, right? So I went to the directory in SharePoint. I said, sync this uh, the my, my team site with my computer because I had cleaned off the laptop and it would not pop up the button. But it did <laughs> allow me to go to find out which OneDrive is best yeah. for you. And I'm like, this is what's confusing, Hans, is clients are in SharePoint. Then it tells them to attach a OneDrive. Never anywhere does Microsoft even give people, hey, here's how to install and use these products. Mm -hmm. So clients are mixed up as it is because they're installing stuff. They don't even know what they're doing. Technicians are having a hard time because they don't understand what the clients did. I couldn't even get it to install. Yeah, I mean, so to me, it's very, it's very yeah. challenging. Yeah. And I know that there's limitations on the Mac. If you go on the conferences like I do, and uh, I speak about this stuff one hour, and uh, sometimes uh, people want to hire me for a job doing they give him a, a small or a sm uh, not so quick translation yeah. uh, that, that's a big big company uh, not an enterprise company but a big company in germany and i do the same slide deck <laughs> talking eight hours so going to office 365 therefore i have the question about there is a new functionality like mentions have nothing to do with OneDrive, but it reduces a lot of things you know about the mentions, if you write, no. let's say we are in a company and in this company, uh, we have a distribution list. You know that distribution list, we have 10 people and we can say, okay, I want to give my, my email to these people. I also say distribution list sales and now then people got my information. And then I write first at uh, call that go. And I write some, some stuff you have to do as an action item. Then I say, hey, Andrea, add Andrea. And then I write the stuff for them. So mm -hmm. I have now two action items, or let's say three or four. And then the people, all other six people from 10 in the distribution list has to read this stuff. And they see no action item for me. So now mentions come in. Therefore, I ask you for the version. It comes with 2016. Oh, I never and heard now, of mentions. Yeah, and then you can add, and it calls all these autocomplete lists, and it says, hey, call that girl. I can say that. And then he writes automatically, not distribution list. He writes your name in the send to, and I say, okay, add Andrea. Yes, I take this Andrea. And it was also, that means if you have five people out of 10, and I have five action items, then only the five people are here. That means the other people, five, don't have to read this stuff. They yeah. never have an action item in it. That is, for me, collaboration. And it's so easy to program that stuff that I think, hey, Microsoft has done it in 2010 or 2013 and not now in 2016. Okay, so let me tell you this, Hans. Sometimes as I'm uh, cruising around my internet all day, I see lots of these new features Microsoft releases and I do a quick spot out and I'm like, yeah, here's the thing, Hans, is I can't know the world. So I figure out what I need to keep up with for my clients to support them. And sometimes I immediately shut out one mentions is one of them because I don't deal with companies on a global enterprise level. 
which that might be a nice feature for like, you know, if you worked at Honeywell or whatever and had, yeah. you know, half a million yeah, people. More the big distribution yeah. distance. Yeah. But I but did. Sometimes see, if you have 20, 20 people in a the company, then it's okay. If of only five, you don't use that. No. Perfect. Well, okay. here's the thing is that that focused inbox that's coming out has a lot of concern for me because Hans, I paid attention to that because I saw on a Facebook group I'm in that that's replacing clutter, which to me, clutter has only been causing problems. And me and, you <laughs> could go, me and you could talk for hours, I'm sure, on end. But the point is, is that they come out with stuff so fast and it's hard to pick up what we want to learn to support for our clients and what to sell them because, I mean, I don't like selling things I can't support. And it's just really a lot, Hans. Yeah, it's a that, lot. That's a problem generally. <laughs> People, we, we, we have to build another thing. Not only we have a problem, but also that's a new thing to take you to a customer. Hey, give us uh, once a month uh, or once a, a quarter, it's also okay, uh, a time to give your people a half an hour with new things they can use. They don't use it because they don't know it. So, in but that's a briefing, but then you have to look for the new things. <laughs> oh my God, Hans, 30 minutes is way too long for anybody over here in the States. They want three minutes or less. They want a one minute video. They don't want half hour anything. You can't keep yeah. people's attention for longer than a, a viral video. I swear to God, Hans. Uh, that's the same situation. And therefore, that's a, a problem for Microsoft <laughs> in the cloud with new functionality. Because each month, I, I myself have problems to come with up because there are other things that Microsoft, we have to tell them, hey, not tell them here in this blog and in this blog, the same functionality, uh, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> One thing that we need, hey, we have to read it twice a week it's okay but we have to read it and not now you have to, to look for all these stuff on different locations that oh, makes yeah. no sense oh yeah uh, you know how many community forums i'm in i'm on twitter i'm in tons of facebook groups i just joined experts exchange and and i gotta tell you hans that there is so much content out there it's overwhelming for me to even keep up with it yeah it's insane. Uh, yeah <laughs> so sometimes i have to look about that and I have to say hey two three five years how long will you take that? We have such an experience and sometimes oh, no. the people come and then can give you on a telephone. I want to support Office 2007 or something else. And hey, you have to go into the past. I normally want to play with new things and bring up. I'm a CIE trainer of Microsoft and I have to have so many companies that speak enterprise companies or yeah. let's say big companies here in Germany to bring all these new stuff. But now the time is so quick and the, the, the people are still on-prem. That's another version we have to look for that. But yeah, th yeah. That's, that's the thing. Well, you know what, Hans? We're going to close the show up here, but I just want to make one last. Uh, oh, God, there's so many things going through my brain right now. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm going to close by saying this to my listeners is that you don't have to know everything. The best no. thing you can do is get what I would say, Hans, is niche out and do a couple things really well, maybe three things, and then find people to outsource work to that know that really well. Yeah. Because honestly, you I know you're very technical. You keep your hands on a lot of things, but 
you know, my job as a consultant and a, and a technician is I can only do three things well. So I am putting it out there. I'm looking for a SharePoint tech that knows it. I can send work to. I'm looking for mm. a OneDrive tech. I can send jobs to. I will gladly refer it out. It's not my cup of tea. There's actually a lot of other things that I could refer out if I really made a big list, Hans. But so it is, don't, yeah. don't you agree for a technician trying to make it in today's Office 365 world, the best thing is to know a couple, three things? And then do that well? Yes. And one thing, they have to wait a little bit, a little bit. Sometimes the problems will eliminate herself. Oh, no. I think, yeah, yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. The problem is if they still have to work with, then you have to look about that. Uh, but people ask me, hey, should I do all this stuff uh, to the cloud now? Or do I have to wait? Is this preview the version, a good version? And I say, hey, now we have wait two years, and now yeah. you can say it's not only again a year, but it's only a quarter. And I think it's very stable, there is good, but wait this quarter, and uh, in the new year yeah. you have to establish it. I've been doing that, Hans. I've been telling my clients, look, you know what? We just got you set up on Exchange, the new software, a couple little things. Let's go slow with this. Don't rush moving into everything unless you have a real technical person on staff that really wants to learn it, because to me, it's all about learning. And, yep. and, and the other last tip for the listeners is, you know, if a client wants you to get aggressive to do everything at once, I think you should uh, take it based upon your experience and how fast you want to handle things because it mm -hmm. can get, it can get crazy really fast. And uh, you, you want to manage the expectations of your clients the best you can. Totally. Yep. So it right, is. Hans. Well, you know what? This has been a very exciting hour with you. I knew it would be <laughs> when I did the interview because I was like, you are the perfect guy. I found him on, <clears throat> I think because you work for Bit, you um, found me on Twitter or you retweeted and then I followed you and I was like, oh, I got to have you on the show. And I'm a big fan of Bit Titan. And, um, yeah, I have great products, but I have the mm -hmm. same problems. Uh, uh, Rocco, that's uh, our vice president, he also says, hey, you are on a community event and tell about migration or mail migration is the first step into the cloud. And I told the one hour, hey, Microsoft don't say that we have to do that in US and say, hey, we are still five years behind. Yeah. Our cloud is not ready. That will be ready in January. Think about different culture about the globe. That's one thing I also have learned that uh, US companies only see US, that's okay. But if they want to be globally, they have to be, think about the culture. That's yeah. so interesting going 200 kilometers or let's say 600 kilometers in the North. If you are in Belgium or Netherlands or in Sweden, hey, different culture. They say, go, oh, we have to go to the cloud. Let's do it. But in Germany, no, we have to lose plan B or plan yeah. C. So that's a different thing and they have to learn it. Yeah, I actually did a migration for a client in Denmark. Um, it was kind of funny. Her whole outlook was in, I don't know, Danish. I guess that's yeah. the word for it. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I don't know. But um, my App River, who's, who's, uh, who I work with, they said, yeah, we can support Denmark. So I was like, cool. I worked with her on Skype. I remoted in. Even though her outlook, I couldn't understand it. I knew where all the buttons were. I did the mm -hmm. migration. It was really perfect. And she gave me an excellent testimonial, by the way. I like putting that out there because I'm global, Hans. I help yeah. the world. Totally. <laughs> Call that girl. That's perfect. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, Hans, thank you for coming on the show. Just a reminder, Hans does work for BitTitan. The products I use the most is Migration Wiz. And I unfortunately, my last job, Hans, I did, I wanted to use Deployment Pro. Did not work out for me because of the stressful situation I was in. It was an on-prem migration, and I had a lot of stress going on, so I opted to not yep. test it with that client. But it's definitely uh, the desktop agent. I want to use it, and I will talk about it on another show because I'm excited to see what it all yep. does. But uh, thank you, Hans, for being on the show. I'm going to close up now. Do you have anything else you want to add? Oh, only one. You have the link, and we can also have a link to the last slide or the slide deck that people who are technical can look at it. But the best way okay. is to have a link and look permanently and follow me on, on Twitter or follow me on, right. on, on, on my, my, my blog, the English version. Sometimes I blog in, in German. It's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Therefore, I invite two listen, two link sessions with English. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of time, but they can do that. Then they have the newest version, but it's only for the technical people. I don't blog about these stuff uh, no. like collaboration because first it must run. Then we can talk about all these stuff. Yeah. And that's the best way what we can do. Hans, can you send me those links again? Because I can't find them anywhere in my email. I don't know what I did with it. And secondly, I will put Hans's uh, Twitter account in there. He is fun to to follow. I will tell you that. And um, anything else, Hans, you can just send me an email and I'll put in the show notes, okay? I do it. Perfect. Okay, thanks, King. All right. Okay. So, thanks, Hans. I'll be with you in just a minute. So I'm going to close up the show now. If you have a story you want to share or want to be a guest on the show, contact me, Lisa, at callthatgirl.biz, or if you need to hire me to help you with the migration or Outlook issues as well. Uh, this has been a Heyman Hendrickson production, audio supported by Mitch Heyman. Thank you to our sponsors at River and Podbean for hosting. That's it, folks. See you next show.